0: Imagine that you're on a deserted island and you have no concept of what Christianity or church even looks like or means. All of a sudden, something washes up on that sandy shore, and it's a Bible. And as you begin to thumb through the Bible as your only source to have a concept of what this idea that we call church looks like, How different would what you think it would look like be from what we've actually come to know it as in our lifetime? How would it function, you know? How different do you think that it would be from what you've come to know? Because Jesus gave us a very clear marker that would legitimize someone that was a part of his body, someone that was a part of the church. It would be supernatural, because it had to be supernatural. It had to be something that was different from what was natural. Because if it was natural, it could be attributed to something else. It could be something that someone could say, oh, well, well, well the reason these people do this or act this way is because this is how people naturally do when they're trying to do good. But Jesus said that it would be different. It would be clearly different, and it would be beyond the natural. It would be supernatural because apart from the spirit of the living God, it would just be another lifeless religious practice. And so Jesus said this is the marker in the Gospel of John, the 13th chapter and the 34th and 35th verse. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you you also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus says this is the marker. This is the thing that makes this church legit. This is the differentiator. This is the thing that's going to make you stand out from the crowd. There's going to be this supernatural love that's going to be present by the way you treat each other, the way you interact with one another, and by this marker, everyone is going to know that you are my disciples. He didn't say it was a T-shirt. He didn't say it was a bumper sticker. He didn't say it was your name on a church roll somewhere because you'd gone through some formal process. He said, no, it's this. This is the thing that's going to make you unique. This is the thing that's going to make you stand out. This is how everyone is going to know That you are my disciples is because of the way you have love for one another. And as we look at the things that God says are important, we need to also make those things important in our lives. Wouldn't you agree? So that means that we need to emphasize what God puts emphasis on. So if God is emphasizing something, as we see here in Scripture, we need to put emphasis on that in our lives as well if we're truly going to be disciples. If you have your Bible, flip over to the Gospel of Mark, the 7th chapter. Mark, chapter 7. And we're going to read verse 1 through 9. This is one of these interactions with Jesus. And the religious leaders of his day, the Pharisees. So, Mark chapter 7, verse 1, we're going to read through verse 9. Now, when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly holding to the traditions of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and scribes asked Jesus, they said, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? Jesus said this, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition." I don't really know what to say about that because what do you say if you're the religious leader who just made a big deal about the fact that the disciples didn't go through the religious ritual that everyone else went through everyone knows that before you eat if you're a good jew this is how you do things this is the way we've always done it And this is how people know that you're a good Jew. This is how people know that you are truly someone who understands the faith. Because it's really weird when you go somewhere and everyone's used to a certain order and doing things a certain way. And then all of a sudden someone comes along that doesn't know. And maybe that's you who comes along and doesn't know the order or the way things normally go. And you do something different and you feel a little awkward. It's kind of like eating um, at Swartz's uh, over in St. Anne's, okay? Uh, Because uh, I got invited to go there, and I'd never been there. And when I went there, I didn't know there was this whole rule, okay? So I went to this restaurant. Everyone says they have great steaks, and I wanted to go eat this amazing steak. And so my wife and I go there. We had a gift card. We go in the door, and everyone's just sitting around. And I'm like, do we sit down, or do we... Stand here and wait to be seated. Well, we stood there long enough to figure out we're not supposed to just stand there. So we went and sat down at a table. And as we sat down at a table, we were feeling weird because no one was coming to take our order. We found out through asking other people that you have to get a menu or figure out what you want. You stand the menu up on the table that alerts the waitress or waiter that you're ready to order. And then after you order, you wait some more, and then they call your name over the loudspeaker, Armstrong Party of Two. And then you go into a completely different room we didn't even know existed. And then our food is right there. And I'm like, what just happened? (laughs) How is anyone supposed to know this is the way you do this? But everyone else knew. (laughs) Everyone else knew. And then along comes someone that doesn't do it the right way and they stand out. So here the disciples are coming to eat and they didn't do the ceremonial thing and everyone's getting offended and it's obvious that these guys are not a part of what everyone else is doing. And the religious leaders were putting emphasis on the wrong things. They were making a big deal about things that really weren't all that important to God. Is hygiene important? Sure. But at the same time, it wasn't just that. It was the heart in which they were being uh, criticized, uh, and they were bringing this unnecessary criticism because they were elevating the commandments of men and the form and the order of men and the way that men think things should be done. They were elevating it and putting it on par with it as if you had broken one of the Ten Commandments. They were putting it on par with uh, d- just being this completely defiled person who was on the outside, who wasn't truly a part of people who truly loved God. They were equating this simple act on par with the things that god says were important and we do that all of the time where we will put emphasis on things that matter to us but at the end of the day they don't matter to god I mean, they may be important things. They may be good things even because God wasn't saying these, these traditions are all bad. It's just they're not up here with what God says is most important to where we would ostracize someone because they didn't do the thing that we think is really important for you to do or you didn't do it the right way. We need to learn to emphasize and put emphasis on the things that God says are important. We need to make sure that what we do as a church focuses on revealing God. Otherwise, we run the risk of making people fall in love with us or our program or the things that we want to do. And we have this personality-driven type ministry or church or gathering where people are only following a person or they're here because their group uh, that, that, that they just absolutely love that does this certain thing and it becomes all about that. And then once that ceases to exist, then they cease to be connected. And you're like, you, you're missing the point. You're putting emphasis on the wrong thing. It's not about this program that we have or used to have or need to have. It's not about the time or the day or when or how. It's not about these things that we think are so important that we put so much emphasis on. And I'm having to talk louder because of that rain (laughs) and because I'm feeling the Holy Ghost up in this church. (laughs) Anyways, It's because we have to put the emphasis on the things that God says matters. Because, man, can we get off track so easy. Because there is power in the priority. I'm going to say that slow so I can say that some more because somebody's not hearing me because they're distracted. I said, the power is in the priority. The power is in the priority of, of how we look at what God says is most important. And if we say, God, we truly believe this is important because you say it's important, and we put the things that God says are most important first... Then we began to see the power of God realized because God's power moves and works where the things God wants emphasized are emphasized. Not God, we're doing this great thing over here and we want you to bless it. Man, we need to stop asking God to just bless what we want to do. We need to say, God, what are you already doing and blessing and moving in because this is what matters to you most and let's just do more of those things. Let's do more of what God already says is important instead of us trying to show and tell God what matters." That would be like us saying, God, washing hands is super important and we're going to put this whole tradition thing and we're going to make it special and, and, and we believe it's going to point people to the gospel because we're going to show them how wonderful we can wash our hands. We're going to come up with a little song, scrub dub dub, and we're going to sing it and we're going to make sure we even get above all the way up here because we know there's those secret germs that exist, you know, like they teach us. And so we got to, you know, make sure we use hot water. We're going to do this whole thing and God, it's going to glorify you and honor you. And God's like, I don't even care. I don't even care. And like, God, we're, I mean, that may be a, a little silly. Uh, so let's, let's, let's get a little closer to home. Uh, we're going to put the, uh, make, make these room changes or do this thing in the church and we're going to put the carpet here. We're going to make the lights this way and the, and the music this way. And God, it's all going to be for you. And, and we're going to put all of our energy and all of our effort into it. And God's like, I don't even care. But we get all wrapped up in it. Thinking all this matters And we get upset over those things because we get the emphasis off of the Lord and we get the emphasis off of what God says really matters and we put it on what becomes important to man. What's important to us in the moment. See, the power of God is in the priority of God. In other words, if we want God to move in power to change hearts, to effectively be used to impact eternity, and to be the church that he's called us to be, we must prioritize the things that God says are most important. We should not spend our time, effort, and energy arguing over lifeless traditions, focusing on being entertained or things that only serve the consumer-minded churchgoer. We have to look at, God, what pleases you? What are the things you said matters? Because as we look to Scripture as the source of truth, we see Jesus saying there's going to be something about this church that's going to be emphasized, something that's going to be a differentiator, something that's going to be supernatural. It's not going to just be a group of people who can tolerate each other or a group of people who can get along or be nice to each other or have the infamous church meet and greet time. will not you stand up and shake somebody's hand you never met before today? Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. How are you today? Good, good to meet you. Oh, so awkward. Or hold the hand of the man next to you, you know, that type of thing. Not just people who can endure that stuff. Not people who can just have a, a church fellowship a few times a year and bring a dish to pass and, oh, it's going to be so nice and, and we get along and, and it's great and we had fun and, and, and we'll see you next week, we'll see you next month, we'll see you next year, whatever. That's not supernatural. That's not a differentiator. That's just people enjoying doing the same stuff together. that's Jesus didn't say, by this all men will know you are my disciples if you can hold the hand of the man next to you during a prayer, or if you can attend and say hello and be friendly to five people and meet someone new. That's not what he said. That doesn't differentiate us because I can do that anywhere. I can do that anywhere. I've been to secular events where people say, hey, get to know the people around you. You ever been to something that's not even Christ-centered? maybe a business thing, get to know somebody around you. Okay, that doesn't make us different that I can get along with other people who are like-minded or who enjoy the same things. I, I can even get along with strangers. I've gone to different events and, and met complete strangers and connected with them. So it's not that, it's something deeper that there's a priority that God wants us to have in our lives. So, so then what matters most to God? If there's power and priority, and if we're supposed to emphasize what God puts emphasis on, then what matters most to him? Because Jesus said loving one another mattered a whole lot. Let's go over to John chapter 15. And let's look at verse 9 through 17. John 15, verse 9 through 17. And this is Jesus speaking here in John 15, verse 9 through 17. He says this. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love, and if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment. And that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. He said, If if I'm abiding in you, then my love's in you. Like this is gonna be a sign that I that I'm truly with you, that I'm truly in you, that you're a legit follower, is that there's something supernatural, there's something different. It's not that you just get along. It's not that you're just a nice person that you just don't react negatively to the person that cuts you off in traffic. It's more than that. It's deeper than that. There's something supernatural about it. And he said, if I'm abiding in you, he said, then there's going to be some fruit involved. And and this fruit is going to make people aware that you're abiding, that you're a part And all the things that I've just told you, Jesus said in verse 17, and I've commanded you to do, is the purpose of it is so that you will love one another better, that you will love one another stronger, because Christ's love creates a real connection. Church should be us doing life together in Christ-centered community, not just an optional weekly gathering of people who sing some songs together and pray a few prayers and who will listen to someone speak or whatever the case may be. It's got to be something more than that because Christ's love should cause a deeper connection. Think about gang life for a minute. Like, I I don't know everyone in the room's background, but I, I think I can safely assume that the majority of you do not have a past being involved in gang activity. Maybe a few of you have, and God has redeemed you from that, or maybe he's working on you in that. But when you think about gang life, you think about people who are in a gang. They want to be a part of this gang. They want to be accepted. They want to have this deep connection with other people that one another has their back. And, you know, if you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. But what they don't say in a gang From what I can observe is, hey, we had a really great gang this week. I'll see you at gang next week. (laughs) Oh, man, I can't make it to gang next week. Little Timmy has a soccer gang, so uh, sorry. I'm going to have to miss out on gang. No, we we don't say that type of stuff. You wouldn't say that type of stuff to each other because that's not what that even means to be a part of that. There's a deeper understanding. It's more than just a gathering. It's that I'm a part of something. I belong to something. I'm I'm abiding in Christ and His love is abiding in me and and I'm fellowshipping and connecting with other people that is real, that's deep, that's meaningful, and it's supernatural because the supernatural love of Christ causes a family connection with people who were once strangers to one another because we have experienced His love together. Flip over to 1 John chapter 4, 1 John 4, over there towards the back, page 1021 in my Bible. (laughs) 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7, I can hear pages flipping, so I'm going to give you a second because I know that was a little tricky to find, closer to the back, 1 John chapter 4, In verse 7, John writes this. We're going to read through verse 16. John 4, verse 7 through 16 says this. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. And if we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. And by this we know that we abide in Him and He is in us because He's given us of His Spirit. And, he, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Think about what Jesus said. There's going to be this calling card. There's going to be something different. You're seeing this reiterated over and over again about having this real connection. Because many churches have about as much connection to their supposed spiritual family as they would to a person that they had visited the same movie with in a movie theater. We're all enjoying the same thing. We're all sitting in the same place, but there's no real connection. And when the credits start to roll, everyone exits and just goes on about their lives. That's not the way the body of Christ was intended to be. That's not what this was intended to be, was just a gathering of strangers who remain strangers, who once the thing that they all participate in, uh, the activities together, then they just exit and they leave, and they go on about their daily lives. Or they may look at a few people and politely say, that was good, wasn't it? Oh yeah, that was really good. I enjoyed that. I spilled a little of my drink on the floor. I hope it's okay. We say those things in a movie theater, and we say those things in this gathering that we call church. The connection we're told that we have if we belong to Christ is much deeper It's more genuine, it's more authentic, and it's more supernatural. There's supposed to be something different, and it starts with our love for God. And it starts with our awe of who He is. And it's not something, listen to me this morning, church, it's not something that we try harder to be better at. But rather, it's something that we experience out of the overflow of our awe and our love for God. It's something that should be super. Naturally happening because I'm loving God in such a way and I'm growing in my love for God in such a way that the things God puts emphasis on and the power of the priority of God begins to manifest in my life, not something that I just chase after to try to get better at because, well, Pastor wants us to get better at loving each other, so I'm going to work on loving people more. Get to know 10 people's names. All right, okay, I'm going to do that. Take three people out to lunch this week. all that's great. Listen, if you want to do that, that, that's awesome. But that's not what I'm asking you to do. That's what what I'm trying to exhort you to do. If the the Holy Spirit tells you to do something like that, great, do it. But that's not what I'm asking us as a church to focus on. What I am asking us and challenging us to do is to grow in our awe for God. When is the last time that we paused and were truly in awe of the sacrifice that was given of Jesus Christ for you and for me. I mean, I'm not talking about where we appreciate it or we feel some warm fuzzies. I'm talking about when we were in awe of what Christ has done for us on the cross by taking our sin and, and taking the punishment that we deserved for that sin, taking it on himself so we didn't have to. When's the last time we've slowed down enough and we've stopped being concerned about our, our lifeless traditions and our lifeless rhythms and routines and we stopped and we said, God, I want what matters to you to matter to me because I'm so in awe of who you are and what you've done that I can't help myself and then out of that type of heart position the overflow of me receiving freely this love that has been so generously given to me not deservingly completely undeservingly given to me Not that I could ever earn it or put myself in a position to say, look what I did or look how good I've been, but rather in spite of me. And then I just, I gotta love people, man. I wanna connect with people deeper because this is how the world is going to know that this is real, it's because I love others. Is because I have a deep love for those that I'm I'm fellowshipping with and I'm connecting with in Christ-centered community. They're not just people I go to church with. They're people that I'm doing life with in Christ-centered community, and together we are collectively the church. And that changes my priority. It changes my prayer life. It changes the orientation of my heart. It, It changes what I put my affections on. It changes the way that I prioritize my time. It changes the things that that, that I I choose to be involved in and the things that I stay away from. It it changes the the way I've elevated things that are on par with what I thought God wanted. And when I see Jesus boil this thing down to something so simple that what Jesus says is that the whole of the law can be summed up And love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and and then love your neighbor as yourself. And when I see this, I see that love is not just a feeling. Love is not just some sort of emotional reaction or response. it's, It's an action where I'm actually doing something, where I'm loving actively, creating a supernatural connection that is driven by a supernatural love for a supernatural God. And it's all driven by my fear of the Lord, my my awe of Him, my, my heart position of gratefulness and thankfulness. And here's what it does. It unifies us in such a way that no rallying mission statement or vision statement or T-shirt, you know, ever could. It unifies us in an authentic way. And our unity and our love will lead people to Christ. Oh. Our love and our unity will lead people to Christ. Think about that. Think about the weight of that for just a moment. Our unity and love, because it is not natural, it is supernatural, because it is driven by a supernatural God. It is not just for you and I to experience, but it's for the world to see something real, something genuine, something authentic, something tangible, something that becomes attractive because there's something missing in those that do not have Christ and are not a part of Him and are not abiding in Him. And when they see people who are abiding in Him together, they go, whatever that is, I must have that. Because it's attractive to me. Because there's something different and I I see something that's missing that I want to be a part of. Not just activities and programs and catchy sermon titles and series. Not just a show. Not just something that we work really hard to be really good at. But rather a hunger and a desire for Christ because if we don't lead this way, we run the risk of attracting people to ourselves and we feel like we have to be the magnet to draw people to Christ instead of God's love being the magnet, instead of the Holy Spirit moving and operating in us and through us being the magnet, we feel like we have to be the magnet. And if we think that we are the magnet... Then we think we are the answer. And so we lean on ourselves and we depend on ourselves and we look to ourselves for all the solutions. I sit with pastors monthly in a gathering and I hear them saying things like, Oh, our church is in decline, oh, people are leaving, oh, the church is on a bad trajectory, all these things like this. And I'm like, are we loving each other? Or are we just gonna sit around and try to strategize with our own strength? Because if we sit around and try to strategize in our own strength, well, we need this new program, we need this new staff person to draw more people in, to attract more people in, then we look to ourselves to be the magnet. I don't, I'm sorry. I don't see that. (laughs) What I see is that this love that we have for one another is supposed to be different than the kind of love that the world has for one another. And the type of love that we have for one another comes from and stems from our love for God. So love God, love people, serve the world is more than just a catchy statement. Are you hearing me this morning? Catch this over in Acts chapter 2. You can flip over there. I'm not going to wait around too long though, so be fast. Acts chapter 2 and verse 44. We read this a few weeks back, but it says this. They had all things in common. They cared for one another. And it became something that attracted lost people to Jesus. It became something that attracted lost people to Jesus. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Hmm. Churches are known for having great worship. There are certain churches, even in our community, they're known, wow, man, they have really great worship. There are some churches that are known for having great preaching and great teaching. Oh, this church and that church, man, they they really have some great deep preaching and teaching. There's churches in our community that we think of when, oh, yeah, this church or that church, man, they have a great kids' ministry. That's awesome. But when's the last time you heard someone say, man, that church loves each other really well? When's the last time you've heard somebody say, Man, that church, man, they love people like Jesus loves people? That's, that is not normal. That is not natural. Because there is something, man, those people love each other. They they care about one another in a deep way. Does the way we love one another stand out beyond just being friendly and nice? Because people say, Oh, that's a friendly church, or that's not a friendly church. Who cares? What really matters is that do we love each other? Not are we friendly. I can go to McDonald's and say someone was friendly. What's different? What's different? It's not just being friendly. It's not just that the cashier at the grocery store was friendly. It's not just that the greeter at the door was friendly. It's do we love each other? That's different. That's deeper than friendly. That's that's where we can be transparent and real and vulnerable and connected, and it stands out to the world. It's something that the world goes, what is that? That is attractive to me because I see something missing in me. You see, that type of love and unity in Christ-centered community takes us giving one another a lot of grace. (laughs) Because, man, when you start getting closer to people, whew, you need grace. <laughs> I, I think about your deepest relationships, your, your marriage with your, your children. You need a lot of grace. <laughs> Vulnerability. <laughs> Selflessly serving one another. It's a mutual commitment to meet one another's needs, to be there for one another, to love one another right where you're at in all your mess and everything. (laughs) And not get caught up about washing hands and pots and couches and stupid stuff, but prioritizing people like God did, putting emphasis on the things that God put emphasis on. The world operates off of this 80-20 rule. You've heard of this, right? The 80-20 rule. What does the 80-20 rule say? You know, where 80% of the work gets done by 20% of the people. I feel like I'm a 20%. <laughs> and they say, oh, that's that's the same in the church. 80% of the work in the church gets done by 20% of the people. There's nothing supernatural about that. That's just like the world. If if, if that's true, it's just like the world. There's nothing supernatural. We're not even edging out the competition. (laughs) I think the church should set set a new standard where we love each other 100% and where 100% of us are engaged and the lost are coming to Christ as a result, not 80-20. Not 20, 80, not 30%, not 40%, 100%, where we are engaged, where we care, where we are loving one another. Why? Because Pastor told us to? Because it was a compelling sermon? No. Because we love God. Because Christ's love has been shed abroad in our heart in such a real, deep way that we can't help ourselves. It happens naturally. It's, it's something that comes out of somewhere deep and real. And that takes us examining ourselves. <laughs> so what do we do? What do we, what do we do? Well, if you look at Scripture in the book of Malachi, the prophet is given a word from the Lord to all of Israel concerning their lifeless worship, their heartless, half-hearted worship. And God asks them a series of questions in which they reply, well, God, like... Where have we done this? Or when have we failed? Or when have we given you these types of half-hearted offerings of worship? I would encourage you to read, meditate on this entire book because God replies to them and lets them know something that I believe is a promise of God that is true throughout the generations both to the people of Israel in that day and to you and I, that if we will return to him, that he is faithful. That he wants us to return to him. He wants us to repent. He wants us to remember the love with which he loved us. Just like over in the church in Ephesus in, in, in Revelation, we, we, we read as, as Jesus begins to give John these revelations and all these things, he says to the church in Ephesus that, man, you, you guys are doing a bunch of good things. You got your priorities out of order. You've forgotten your first love. You've gotten caught up washing hands. You've gotten caught up washing pots. And you thought this was really, really, really important. And really, you've left your first love because out of that love for your first love, is where all of the things that I actually want you to do that are supernatural, that are going to come out of the overflow, the wellspring of that love, that's where I need you to get back to. So repent, he tells. He says, repent. That, that means to turn. It doesn't just mean to say I'm sorry. It means I'm going I'm to turn away from selfishness, from wrong prioritization, from putting the wrong emphasis on the wrong things, and I'm going to say, yes, Lord, what do you want? What's important to you? And the more I know you, the more I study your word, the more I learn the value system of eternity in heaven, I can go, I know what God thinks is important. And I want those things to be important for me and my family and our church. And we rally around that and we love one another because of that. God always promises that if we return to Him in our time of becoming selfish or just distracted, man, he wants us to return. He wants us to remember the love in which He first loved us. And, and, and I'm, <laughs> I would like for these guys to sing in just a minute. And, and I know it's not the end of the month, but I want us to receive Holy Communion together. And I know we do this at the first of the month here at Word of Grace. And I want the ushers, you guys, go ahead and serve the people. And so as they're coming by, passing out communion, I want you to just hang on to those elements because we're going to receive this together. Laura, would you grab me one of those please? Thank you. If you're new, we normally practice communion and celebrate that together at the first of every month. And we're still gonna do that in October, so don't and those of you who are, who know what's going on. You know, that's kind of part of the whole standing the menu up at uh, Schwartz's thing. (laughs) Some people know what's going on, some people don't. And if you are from out of town or you're just visiting, you wonder, uh, is it okay? Yeah, we practice what we call open communion at Word of Grace. That means that all we ask is that you are a believer in Christ. It doesn't matter where uh, you may regularly attend. That's not what we're concerned with. What we are concerned with is that you have made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. And that he's abiding in you. And, and if that's not you, and, and, and if that's not you, you haven't made that decision yet, I want you to know that communion is not for you. It's for those who have who have said yes to following Jesus. And no one's going to think poorly of you um, if you refuse. Um, because maybe you're just searching. Maybe you're seeking. And I pray that you find Christ in your seeking today. I pray that you find him because whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you called on the name of the Lord, don't worry about having to go through some class or something, man. You're part of the family. If You see your need for Christ and He has changed you today and you're abiding in Him and He's abiding in you, but we just want to make sure you understand that. And here's what I want us to do. I want us to spend the next few moments allowing the Holy Spirit to bring us to a place of repentance. This is where we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to really temper our hearts where we return to that place, that first love, where we think about how great His love is for us. And out of that love for God, we should love one another authentically, genuinely, and with care to where we prioritize getting connected in Christ-centered community, not because Pastor Keith has a goal of filling up the community group wall. But because we see this as a natural thing, we just want to get connected in Christ-centered community. Not because Team WOG has a need and we feel bad for not helping in the kid's class. But because we love one another and we can't help but serve and say, here I am, where do you need me? How can I help? Because the love of God that we have for one another is bigger than a 75-minute service once a week. Amen, somebody? Where we look for ways to serve our neighbors, our coworkers our family, our spouses. And we stay connected to people in Christ-centered community. Watch that type of love and unity become attractive to a world that's lost and looking for hope. Church, can we just spend some time just repenting and turning to what matters most to God? And so what does that look like? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe some of us need to make a move. Maybe we need to actually physically do something where you may want to kneel down. If you want to kneel down here at the front, you can. If you want to kneel in your chair, if you want to stand and sing, if you want to just 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 sit quietly, just whatever you want to do in this moment that would be an authentic, genuine, examining. That's what I believe the Lord wants to do in us today because we're doing this series, don't go to church, and we're saying be the church. Don't just go to church. Well, we, it's not a how-to. It's not a step-by-step. It's a love God, love people, and serve others all over the world. And so let's start by saying, Lord, I want that love that you said would be supernatural would be a calling card, would be a marker that we belong to you. I want that to be true of me and true of this local church family that's a part of your body. So let's just spend that time together.